0: Welcome to Kingdom Light Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Awesome. Welcome this morning. Um, Man, we started last week with, uh, with an incredible sermon series. And it's something that God placed on my heart and pressed on my heart to speak about a topic called deeper. So about five years ago, we went through a defining time in our lives where, we, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you feel like you're walking through a desert, and you don't see the oasis. God says there's an oasis, but you don't see anything. You know, stuff is, everything is just tough. You don't know where to go, what to do. Lord, is there actually still a purpose for my life? Ever been there? Now, we've been in that season about five years ago. South Africa, were going through a bit of a drought. 2018, you remember, 2017, 2018, Cape Town was quite dry and we were flushing our toilets with buckets, and, um, and it was a tough season for us all. And I was sitting in a church, and I was going through this, and as drought, and as this, and, and I was in worship in a service um, one evening, and God showed me a picture of a well in a desert, like the old biblical wells. And as I walked over to the well, and I was looking down the well, the well was dry underneath. And I heard God say specifically to me in that moment, said, Henny, you are this well, and I want you to dig this well deeper. Dig this well deeper. That's what God said. And as I started meditating on the scripture, God started to reveal to me that this well signified it was a sign of my intimacy with him. And God said, Henny, I want you to dig deeper in your intimacy with me. That was quite a defining moment for my life in a time when I was really struggling. I was really carrying some stuff on my shoulders as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, as as someone that I feel that God has given me a calling, and this changed my life. When a land is in drought, like we were five years, six years ago, the water level of the underground depletes. And I spoke to a friend who, they, um, and he was an environmentalist in, um, in the Western Cape, and I spoke to him one day and he said to me, I said to him, how deep do you have to drill for water in, in the Western Cape? Or yeah in Stellenbosch. Um, he said, well, Henny, usually 35 to 50 meters. Any between, between there where you drill, you find quite strong water. But now in the drought season, we have to drill up to 100, 120, 150 meters just to find that underground water level to get the water. And something struck me in that moment, and God said, see, I want you to dig the well deeper in seasons of dryness, firstly to get water. Because we need water, you can't go dry through your life as a Christian. You need that water of intimacy with God. But as you dig that well deeper in drought times, when the water level normalizes after the drought, what happens? The capacity of your well is so much greater. Because you've digged it deeper in drought times to keep on nourishing yourself with water. That's why we are speaking about your intimacy in a well in this series. So we're going to speak about five kind of wells in the Old Testament. And, it's going to, and I'm going to look at five stories of men and women who sat at a well that we can correlate it to our intimacy with God and how special, how prophetic it is. See, God said to me, Henny, I want your capacity to be greater. So that you can receive from me and then give more. Two things. We we firstly need to receive from him. We need to receive from intimacy with God. And then secondly, we need to gift life to others. Otherwise, you're just an obese Christian. Obese Christians just get without giving. And we, God has called us, he has created us, not only receive but to give. Now when we look through the Bible, we see so many significant things that happen around a well. It's amazing. I mean, when I started looking through the Bible and I read the Old Testament and I saw the significant, miraculous things that happened at wells, man, it started blowing me away. As I said last week, and I'm just going to give you a quick recap, a few things of wells. Wells were a significant landmark for a family. Without a well, a family would have struggled to stay alive. It was a sign of life for a family that owned a well. Now, if you owned a well in biblical times, it means that you were very wealthy. A well, a well was a sign of wealth to a family. See, they used it to, to, to give life to not only the people or the family, but also to the animals. They used it to farm with, to stay hygienic. But they also used it for a landmark. For travelers, when they came to a well, they knew exactly where they were. So wells were landmarks to show people where they were, where they're going, where do I need to go, where do I find myself. Now most of these heroes and amazing people in the Bible also found their wives at a well. It was was a place of social gathering, it was a place of courtship also. It's a good place to be when you're a young man or a young woman. Now young women had to go to the well because their task was to go and get the water. And we're going to speak about that more when we go through um, uh, week by week in the series. Now, now I can go on and on and on, and there's so many amazing, significant things when you look at wells in the Bible. Now, today I want to look at the second story. Remember last week we spoke about Isaac and how they filled these wells with dirt, and and how the enemy sometimes comes and fills our place of intimacy with dirt so that you don't, Get to a place of intimacy with God. Now today, we want to, I want to speak about a man called Jacob. And um, I was so blown away by the truth that God showed me through this, this passage of Scripture. Now we're going to look at the story. It's in Genesis 29. And we're going to read it together. It's eight verses. Genesis 29, verse 1 to 8. So just, let's just read all of it. It says, Then Jacob hurried on, finally arriving in the land of the east. He saw a well in the distance, three flocks of sheep and goats, lay in an open field beside it, waiting to be watered. But a heavy stone covered the mouth of the well. It was the custom there to wait for all the flock to arrive before removing the stone and watering the animals. Afterwards, the stone would be placed back over the mouth of the well. Jacob went over to the shepherds and asked, Where are you from, my friends? We are from Haran, they answered. Do you know a man there named Laban, the grandson of Nahor? He asked, Yes, we do, they replied. Is he doing well? Jacob asked. Yes, he is well, they answered. Look, here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the flock now. Jacob said, look, it's still broad daylight, too early to round up the animals. Why don't you water the sheep, goats, so they can get back out to the pasture? We can't water the animals until the flocks have arrived, they replied. Then the shepherds moved the stone from the mouth of the well, and and we watered all the sheep and the goats. Amazing piece of scripture, and I'm going to dive into it, and I'm going to show you some, some principles, some amazing things that God showed me through this that we can apply to our intimacy and our relationship with God. So, so we pick up the story here of Jacob. And remember Jacob Jacob cheated his brother Esau out of the first birthright. Uh, as the second oldest, Esau, it was Esau's right to have the first birthright, the prayer from Isaac as a, as a father. So Esau, of course, wanted to kill him. He was furious for his brother, and, and Isaac called Jacob and said, "Listen, I think you need to go because your brother is going to kill you. But why don't you go to your uncle Laban's family? I want you to marry a wife that's in our family lineage and what we, because you are the lineage of Abraham." And um, so, Isaac sent Jacob on his way to find Laban, his his uncle, and also to find a wife. And um, and it's amazing when we pick up the story from it. Remember wells were a landmark for people. So he came to this well and he immediately figured out, let me ask the shepherds, where am I at? Whose family's well is this? And that's where the story started. See, Jacob saw the well and immediately when he saw the well, he knew that this might be it. Now remember, when I speak about a well in this, in this time, in this couple of sermons that we're going to do, I want us to remember that, that we are looking at a prophetic picture. We're looking at a prophetic picture of our, our intimacy with God. Remember? So today I want to look at two things that stood out in this story. Two significant things that, that when Jacob came to that well, two significant things happened that I truly believe is going to minister to you today. Number one is they waited for water. Remember the scripture says there in Genesis 29 verse 2, you see, he saw well in the distance three flocks of sheep and goats lay in an open field and awaited to be watered. Now, how many of you like to wait for something? (laughs) Come on. How many of you like, I mean, this my favorite pastime is just to go to home affairs and just sit there for three hours and just enjoy waiting for my ID. No one. Come on. But let me give you a different scenario. Maybe you're walking through a desert or you've ran a marathon and you haven't had a sip of water and you are really thirsty. In that moment of being thirsty, how many of us really are, it's like, I'll just wait for the water. No, no. If I can find any water, I'll dive in and drink as much as I... I mean, that's, that's exactly, you don't want to wait in that moment. And, so, and suddenly, somewhere in that moment, suddenly waiting becomes a punishment. Why do I have to wait for this water? I'm so thirsty. But see, there's nothing that will refine your faith more than waiting on God when you're facing challenges in your life. There's nothing that will refine your faith more. And that's what we want to do. We want to refine our faith. We want to grow our faith stronger in that moment. And when you face a challenge, it's like walking through a desert without water. I just need that, I hunger for that water. Now, in life, we will either grow our faith or lose our faith. Do you know that? Faith cannot be passive. It either grows or stagnates. It's like a thermometer. That's why we constantly need to grow our faith. We need to hear the Word so that the Word can build. You see, faith comes by hearing. And as we hear the Word, spend time in devotion, spend time in prayer, spend time in fellowship, our faith grows. That's why we need church community. That's why we need people that can speak into our lives so that our faith can keep growing. Now just think, where do our faith or trust in God grow the most? In what moments in our lives? Because there is such moments. See, whenever we go through trial by fire moments, our faith and our character mature the most in our lives. It does. Every time me and Salome went through trial by fire moments, I realized that, man, I developed, I matured, I grew in my faith level as a man, as a pastor, as a husband, every time. And I'm not saying you have to go into that moment for your faith to grow, but it usually does in that moment more than any other moment. That's exactly how you purify gold. Did you know that? See, gold, they take gold into very high, extremely high temperatures so that the impurities will come to the top and that they can scrape that impurities off. The hotter you make that gold, the more the impurities comes out and they scrape it off. Now the amazing thing about gold is that you know in the purest form Gold in its purest, purest form is transparent. I never knew that. I, heard, I read some articles and I was like, that's amazing. There is so much in this. This is, a, this is a, a revelation moment for me when I read that. You see, when gold is in its purest form, you can, you can see your reflection in it. And it as it becomes transparent. You see, when God purifies us as gold... Our lives become transparent so that people can see Jesus through us. That's what it needs to be. I want people to see Jesus through my life. I want them to see when they speak to me, when they they listen to me, when when they're friends with me, when they sit in church, wherever, I want people to see Jesus through my life. And that's why our hearts cry. God needs to purify us as gold so that we can be transparent. And we can be beautiful as we are in God's eyes, but also in the world's eyes. But we will face trials or desert moments in our lives. That's inevitable. You will get to places where you're going to see and you're going to experience trials. So how do we go through it? How do we go through that trials? You see, it all depends on our place of intimacy with the Father. The place of intimacy with the Father is going to depend how easy you're going to go through that trial by fire moments, That challenges in your lives. Because it either pulls you closer to God or pulls you away. Your decision. Now, David is one of the men, if I talk about intimacy with God, man, I always go to David. Always go and read a psalm. David had such an incredible place of intimacy with God. He knew God from a place of intimacy. That's how deep he really knew God. You see, he spent many hours alone in a field, singing on his harp, singing songs, writing psalms, spending time with God because he only had sheep. You, I mean, you can only sp- spend that much time with sheep. Then you're going to have to have someone else. But he spent time with God constantly in that time. And, and he, I, mean, I think his capacity of his will and his intimacy with God was incredible. And you can see when he started being king, how he valued worship, how he valued certain things because his intimacy with God was so incredible. Look at the psalm David wrote, Psalm 25 and verse 3 to 5. It says the following, it says, Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed to deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. I love that. See, that's what David said. I can sit here alone in a field, but Lord, on you I'll wait all day. Your presence is so incredible. You are so amazing, Lord. I just need more of you. Now, see, to really get to know God requires discipline in waiting upon him. It does. We need, to, we need discipline in our life to go and sit and wait on Him, read your Bible, pray, spend that time. We need that discipline in our lives. Now, it's almost like a waiter. I don't know if you've always seen, maybe some of you have waited in your life before. But I've waited a little bit, but it wasn't for me. But when you're a waiter and you're waiting tables, and the, the, the clients that you are waiting the table for, you are waiting in expectation To help them, to serve them, to give something, to receive something. You are all the time waiting to receive. Now, wait in this context. If you go to the Hebrew and you read the Psalms, and wait in this context of this Psalm that David spoke about, means the following, to bind together. So let's read the Psalm together. Indeed, let no one who binds us together with God be ashamed. Isn't that amazing? Look at the last bit. It says, on you, God, I bind myself together all day. See, that's to wait. To really wait is to bind ourselves together with God in a place of intimacy. See, that's what David meant. He said, Lord, can I just bind myself together with you? And he said, as I wait here, it feels that I become part of you. There's a deeper place of intimacy with you. You see, David says that when we wait on God, we bind our soul together with God. Why our soul? Because our spirit's already binded to God. The way our spirit is now is the way our spirit's going to be in heaven one day. We have everything we need now that we're going to need to be in heaven. Our spirit is sealed and concealed with everything, the perfectness of God. But our soul needs to be saved. Our mind, will, and emotions. And as we bind our soul together with God, we get renewed in our mind daily. We get renewed in our ways of how we do things, how we grow our children or how we teach our children, how we do business, how we make friends. That's why I need to bind myself together with God constantly. Now, while waiting on God for a moment of intimacy with Him, you know what happened? We become sensitive to His Spirit. We become sensitive to His presence. We become become sensitive to His promptings. But if you just rush your way through every day and say, Lord, okay, I've got 10 minutes. I'm going to read and pray and do something and then rush off to work. You're never going to get to that place of deeper intimacy with God because you're never going to be sensitive to just wait. Wait on Him. We need to create that moment in our lives where we wait on Him. See, it's that time where we learn to quiet our hearts. It's that time where we learn to focus our minds on Him. Look at Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and will not faint. Beautiful scripture. We all know that. Such a well-known scripture. But this is what Isaiah said. When we feel we have no more strength. Ever felt like that? Ever felt like, Lord, I have no strength left. I'm I'm just empty. God says, it's like, when you wait on me, strength comes. You see, God will renew our strength in a place of intimacy. That's where He renews us. He fills us up in that place of intimacy. Why? Because we are willing to wait on Him. And because you're willing to wait on Him, He comes and He deepens that well and He broadens that capacity in your life. See, digging your well is also to wait on Him. Just sitting there waiting on Him. Broadening that capacity of your well. L- listen to what Jeremiah says in Lamentations. And Lamentations 3, verse 25, 26 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. To wait. You see, the wait that Jeremiah speaks about here is to describe. They describe it as following, and if you read in the Hebrew context, he's speaking about waiting hopefully. Waiting hopefully, waiting with an expectation. Is there an expectation in your heart? So when you wait, there's an expectation. When you're waiting, waiter and weighing a table, there's an expectation that people will call me, that I can serve them, that I can help them. There's an expectation, there's a hopeful expectation. You see, when we wait for that living water in a place of devotion, when we wait for that living water in a place of prayer, you know what? We need to be expectant. I need to expect something for good to God. When I walk into my prayer closet, or in my place where I pray and do devotion, and I have no expectancy to get anything from God. Guess what? You're going to receive nothing. But when I walk into church into my prayer and my devotion, and there's a hopeful expectation that God's going to do something amazing, man, he shows up. He shows up because he knows you are digging that intimacy well deeper. Now, to wait is not a passive lying on a couch eating my chips. No, no, it's not that kind of wait. No, it's an active pushing in for more. So, Lord, I want more today. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to pray. While I'm doing my stuff in a day, I'm going to have an expectation for you to speak to me. I'm going to wait for you. to. I'm going to have a hopeful expectation for you to do something today in my life. When you face a challenge... Come on, we all face challenges every day. But when I go into a challenge and I go to God and I sit with Him and say, Lord, I need you. There's an expectation in my life. There's a hopeful expectation. I said, Lord, the Lord's going to do something. And that's what I felt this morning. I felt I've got a hopeful expectation for something defining to happen before the end of the year. God's going to do something amazing in your life, in our lives, in this church, in this town. I know it. I'm going to declare that we need to push in we need to be active we can't just wait passively and hope God's gonna come and say are you still awake no no he wants us and it's not striving it's not performance it's not work it's a passion for God to get more of him to encounter him number two second thing that that we can learn from the story from from Jacob is a stone covered the mouth of the well there was a stone now this is not just a small stone it was a heavy stone covered the mouth of the well. Now, if you look at pictures, I actually looked for pictures on a, on a, somewhere on, on platforms, but I just couldn't find the one that I was looking for. But the stone was massive. It was about as big as this platform, and it was about a meter by two meters. It's a big stone, and it had to be moved by two or three shepherds at a time. And this stone covered, covered the well. Remember last week we spoke about they covered their wells to protect it? But also to, to keep it covered so that desert sand and all all the stuff won't blow into the well. It will keep it clean. So they came, all the shepherd brought their flock, and they waited till the last bit of flock. And when everybody was together, then all the shepherd came and they opened this well. And then they started watering the sheep. And Travelers used the wells as, as landmarks, remember? So that people just don't, don't come by and just use the well because a well was the most sacred possession of a family. It was their sign of wealth, it was their sign of life, and they protected it. They used it with care. They just not blatantly use it and spilled the water. They used that water as a source of life. Now looking at this well, it has such a prophetic significance for us. They had to take this massive stone and roll it away. It took effort to roll it away to receive the life that the well could give them. But you know what? The stone was also keeping them away from the life source. I know it was there to protect the well and to cover it and to to keep it clean. But that well, that stone, was also there to keep people away from the life source. One shepherd couldn't come and just roll it away, he needed two, three friends. But maybe we can ask ourselves, and I realized that, and I uh, thought about this as I read through the scripture, I thought, what stones in our lives are keeping us from God? Is there stones in our lives that is keeping us from a place of intimacy, that source of life that God has given us? You see, maybe stuff like a busy program. Maybe things like pain in your life that's keeping you away from, from that source of life. Maybe offense. Maybe unbelief, maybe guilt, maybe condemnation. It can be stones that's over your well that keeps you from that life source. You see, these stones are blocking the entrance from the place of intimacy that God has for us. And it's not supposed to be like that. What is keeping us from a place of intimacy with our Father? What is blocking the entrance? You see, many believers sit under the law and under the power of these stones in their lives and it's keeping them from the water source of life. What is keeping us from the water source of life? What's keeping you from sitting and waiting and digging that well deeper? Being hungry for the water source of more of God. But the amazing thing, there's good news. If you're facing and you know there's stones in your life that's keeping you from a place of intimacy with God, I've got good news for you. If you're struggling with the stone that keep you from that place, let's finish the story. Genesis 29 again. Let's go to verse 9, verse 9 and 10. So Jacob was still talking with them, that's the shepherds, when Rachel arrived with her father's flock. So she was, uh, for she was a shepherd, and because Rachel was his cousin, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and because the sheep and the goats belonged to his uncle Laban, Jacob went over to the well. And moved a stone from its mouth and watered his uncle's flock. I don't know if you see what I see. Isn't this amazing how a man can, when you see a pretty woman, just can move any big stone? Isn't that amazing? I mean, where two or three shepherds had to move the stone, Jacob's like, goodness me, look at this pretty woman, let's just move the stone, I'll water the flock. But you know what? He didn't do that to say, look at my muscles. He said, how can I serve this woman of beauty? Isn't that beautiful? You see, something happened in him. He moved the stone to serve her because he knew this is the wife that God had for him. You see, usually he usually took a few shepherds, but man, he was so infused with power that he moved the stone by himself. These guys were still waiting to water the flock, and Jacob was already watering Rachel's flock. You see, he served Rachel before anyone else that was waiting. He just jumped in. Now, the custom in that day was that the male shepherds would come, everybody waited at the well. Male, the, the male shepherds would come, they would say, Everybody is here, okay, great. They moved the stone and then they watered their sheep first because they. The male shepherds. And in the biblical times, the men were the, the only person who could bring honor to the family. Women was just the slaves in a certain way. They could bring children. And they would usually had to go and fetch the water at the, the well. They were, some of them were shepherds. But the men were the most important ones. So they came, they opened the well, they watered their flock. And then whatever, whoever is left can then water their flock, like the women. So Jacob came and he turned this thing around. Isn't this amazing? The way things happen in a well or in that time, Jacob came and he turned the thing on its head. How, when was the last time God turned something around for you? When was the last time you feel a challenge in your life and things are so tough in your life and God comes and He turns something around? He takes you out of the line and you're waiting at the back of home affairs and somebody comes to you and says, Sir, can you just come and I'll take you to the front? Or how many of you have booked your flight to Europe, and they come and take you out of the line, and they give you a first-class ticket. Come on, I'm still praying for that one. But when was the last time God comes and He turns something on its head for you? When was the last time? You see, sometimes this is what's happening. God wants to turn your challenge on its head because that's His heart. That's His heart when we sit in a place of intimacy with Him, when a place of God says, man, I just love when you sit and wait on me. I love it when you sit and wait on me. God came and He turned this situation upside down. See, the least important one of the shepherds was served first. Rachel, a woman. I could just I would pay to see that other shepherds' faces. Huh? Just think about it. See, when we have sin or stones in our lives, we don't feel deserving to receive. Come on, when there's stones in your life that keeps you from a place of intimacy, I feel, Lord, I don't deserve this. I can't do anything right. I have condemnation in my life. I've got this in my life, Lord. I don't feel like I'm, I'm worth it to receive first. Ever been there? Now here's the key for us today. If you're thinking about a stone, Mark 16 verse two to four, it says. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of this tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw the stone, which was very large, that it has already been rolled aside. We all know that story, do we? See, Jesus came and through his story, through his Through his crucifixion, he rolled away the stones so that we could be free from the stones that keep us from his intimacy. From that place of intimacy. Jesus came and he paid the penalty. He paid the price. He rolled away that stone that keeps us away from being close to him. They receiving that water of life. Now just like Jacob, Jesus came to serve his bride. Remember? Jacob served his bride. He threw that stone off just to serve her, just what Jesus did. He came, he broke the curse of the law on that cross. And then the stone was rolled away and says, death and the law was broken to serve my bride. You see, he broke the curse of the law so that we can live under grace. Isn't that amazing? Now when we lay that rocks down, when we lay that stones down, we step out and receive the water in a true place of intimacy with God. When we do that, something amazing happens. When I take that that guilt and condemnation off of me that's keeping me from a place of intimacy with God, man, something amazing happens in our lives. You know what happens? We become stones that gives water. Can I prove it to you? Listen to the Scriptures. 1 Peter 2. Beautiful scripture. I love this. Look how just this ties everything together. It says, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are the living stones that God is building into his temple, his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. And then it goes on. You are a holy priest, a holy nation. Remember that scripture. We are living stones that need to give to others what God has given to us. That's our calling. That is what God has called us. You see, God created us to be living stones on the source of life. I want to be a living stone on the source of life so that I can give people what God has given me. But see, we need to make sure that the stones in our lives don't become stumbling stones. Because when you're going to get stuck at guilt and pain and a busy program, whatever is keeping you from your intimacy with God, it's going to become a stumbling stone in your life instead of a, a stone of life that God has called us to give. See, in Matthew 28, when Jesus, before He rose to heaven, after His resurrection, He said to the disciples, Go, therefore, and make disciples of nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them what I have taught you. Go. I will be with you every day of your life. God said, actually He said, go and give what you have. That life that I've given you, that that life source that you have have in your life, go and give it. You see, we have been commanded to give the life we have received from a place of intimacy with God. You see the implication when when your well is dry? You can't give anything. You're starving for intimacy with God. But when that well is deeper, the capacity is greater, now suddenly I've got so much that I can start giving to others. I want to give. I don't want to give people a bucket of dirt. And sometimes I've been in my life, through my life, where I felt dry in my spiritual walk with God. I could give nothing to the people around me. But as soon as the water of life and the word and devotion and prayer started flowing through my life, man, I couldn't shut up. Come on. We just want to share it. So when that well is open, I always say to people, it's like a good joke you hear. You don't hear a good joke and just keep it for yourself. You want to tell it to someone. And it's it's like the water of life. When God gives you that water, man, I want people to taste this amazing. Just taste this. Let me give some of this to you. We are called to be living stones to gift the water that God has given us. You see, the world needs the water we have. That's why Jesus said, Let streams of living water flow from within you. See, people all around us are hungry, are thirsty for more of God. We've got the answer, we've got the nourishment, we've got the life source that flows from our intimacy. That's why digging your well deeper to broaden your capacity for intimacy with God is so important. That's why we need times with God. That's why we need to sit with Him. That's why we need to wait and patiently wait, hopefully, expectantly, for more of Him. Now, the prophetic prophetic significance of a stone in the Bible Do you know what it means? It means truth. And all through the Bible, when we read about stones, it was was when people built altars and memorials after something amazing happened. A miracle happened, so what did they do? They built an altar for people to remember what happened here. When kids came to their parents, their parents told them all the stories of when we faced that war, when we conquered this king, or when God did this, they built an altar. And when the children came to that altar and said, oh, wow, It was the truth. The story was the truth. The stones was the sign of truth. You see, we are living stones that brings truth to a world that needs freedom. We are living stones. And as living stones need to bring a life source, need to bring truth into every situation. The Word says the truth shall set us free, Right? the truth will set you free and that's why it's so massively important to spend time with god to spend time in a place of intimacy to seek more of him lord i want to encounter you i want to go deeper i want more of you we need that passion to go deeper so what i what i didn't mention yet and i want to end with this today what i didn't mention it before jacob came to this well this is genesis 29 You go to Genesis 28, you remember what happened there? He had an encounter with God. He met God. You know, he was traveling. He set his head on a stone pillow. He lied down and he dreamt a dream and he saw angels, a ladder going up to heaven and down with the Lord standing at the top of the ladder speaking to him. He had a powerful, powerful encounter with the Lord God Almighty in that moment. He woke up that next morning and he walked and he came to a well and that's when things started happening. Now somebody who had a powerful encounter like that with God, come on, your life cannot be the same. If you wake up that next morning and you had a powerful encounter with God, man, you're walking on the clouds. It's like you're excited. There's expectancy for God to do something. There's a hopeful expectancy for God to do something more than you've ever thought. And then he came to a well, he saw his bride, man. I think he was still infused with power from... Last night he just whipped that rock off and he served his bride. You see, when we come to a place of intimacy with God, giving is easier. It's so much more easier. Jacob had an intimate encounter with God Almighty that night, just laying on the rock of truth. (laughs) Powerful, powerful moment in Jacob's life. I think it was a defining moment in his life. All of us have defining moments in our lives. Even in our spiritual life, we've got defining moments. That was a defining moment in his life where God said, I've got you. I've got you. You might, you might be known as a cheater, because that's what his name, name meant, deceiver, cheater. But I'm telling you today that I've got you. I'm taking this rock, this stumbling stone off of you, and I'm putting a living rock on you, and you will be a giver of life people around you when he woke up that morning he was ready come on he said i am about to do something great for god i want to leave us with this this morning as we come to our well and we start digging our well deeper and as we broadening this capacity of our intimacy with god we need to know that god we need to take the stumbling stones off of our life so that we can be a living stone to give Otherwise, you're just going to hope to receive every day. But we need to live to give from a place of intimacy, from a place where, where God says, as I fill you up, as I bring you into a place of encounter, man, it's so easy to give. I remember there's so many times in my life where I had powerful encounters with God. And every time in a powerful encounter with Him, man, I just wanted to give everything to everyone. I remember the morning when, I, when God called me into ministry, I, had a, I heard the audible voice of God. I was sitting as a young man, I was still a professional runner, I was sitting in my living room, I was having devotional, I came through a bit of an injury, I didn't know what to go and where to be, and I was just, I was all over the show. And I was sitting down, on my knees and, and an audible voice just said, Henny, just be obedient. And it was such a defining moment for me in that moment. It was not like a father said, hey, be obedient. It was a loving father that says, hey, just be obedient. On the other side of this, I've got incredible things for you. And in that moment, that defining moment, God just broke open the well in my life. And I was so, it's so easier to just to give from a place of intimacy with Him. When I sat there, man, I could just sit there for an hour. I was frustrated. Even, even nowadays, is when I only have an hour and a half, I, what can I do with an hour and a half with the Lord? But start with the 10 minutes. And as you start and you grow into the 10 minutes, that well will become deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you will become a living stone of that water source of life, that God's going to give to us. Amen. Let's stand together. I want to pray for us this morning. I hope this word sunk in somewhere. See, as we go through, this is a pathway we're taking. This is a route. This is not just a short race. It's just, so as we go through this series of sermons, I trust that God's going to take you deeper. Last week we heard, don't let your wells be filled with dirt. Make sure it's open so that the water source flow. Today we want to hear you are a living stone that gives life to people around you. But your capacity needs to be greater so you can give more. Next week, we're going to go further. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Lord, what a privilege to know that you have created us to stand in a place of intimacy with you. To know that you have created us to to go deeper and to have a great capacity for your presence. And Lord, I thank you this morning that we're not just sitting here to sit in church and another sermon, another this. Lord, may it be impactful in our lives. May there be a hopeful expectation that grows and, and are birthed today through our lives. That when we walk into every situation, our work, our family, our, wherever we come, that we will be living stones that give the source of life. But may it come from a deeper place of intimacy with you. Lord, Lord, maybe we, some of us are standing here today and we've got a hunger in our hearts to, to have more from you. Father. Our lives feel dry. Our wells of intimacy feel dry. I believe God is about to break that well open. To make you go deeper into a place and say, Lord, wow, I can't wait for my devotional time. I can't wait for my time of prayer. I can't wait for my alone time with you, Father, where I can get more from you. So that I can bless people around me. So that I can receive an encounter and then be an encounter for others. if you are here this morning and you feel that, man, I'm just pacing through a dry patch of my life. I feel far from God. There's condemnation. There's guilt in my life because of stuff. And it's keeping me away from a deeper place with God. I believe you've got an opportunity this morning. To throw that stumbling stones off your back. And to shift that living stone back into place. And if there's anything that you need to throw off this morning, why don't you just put your hand on your heart. And I'm just going to give a moment where you're going to come before him and just maybe just whisper. Said, Father, this and that, I want to give this to you to, today. I want to settle this thing today so that this thing can no longer keep me from you. See, that's how the enemy catches us. He, only, he comes with a lollipop. He doesn't come with castor oil. He comes with something that, ah, it's so nice, it's so sweet, until you realize this thing has been keeping me away from true intimacy, a true depth, a true capacity with God. Today it's done. I'm throwing this offense, I'm throwing this guilt, this pain, this suffering, this program, whatever in my life, I'm throwing this thing off, and I'm realigning myself to you, Father. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.